Good morning. <laughs> That's the way I always start, right? Hey, we're glad that you're watching. We start a new series today called Jesus Is. And what, it, what, what we're doing in this series is that we're taking a look at the events that take place in Jesus' life in the 10 days that leads up to his crucifixion and resurrection. So uh, it's, it's a cool thing. Each week we're taking a look at a different event, um, diving into that and seeing what it says about who Jesus is. Today's message is really kind of the launch pad for that series, for this Jesus Is series. Today's message is entitled, Jesus Is Power Over Death. And, and the event that takes place, the event that we're gonna take a look at is in John chapter 11. So if you wanna get out your Bibles, we're gonna, we're gonna dive into John chapter 11. If you've got the app, take that out and take a look at it. We're gonna read tons of scripture today. But uh, it's, it's kind of a launch pad because it takes place somewhere between six and eight weeks before Jesus' trial, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. But it sets the stage. It's really important in terms of the fact that it sets the stage for everything that happens. So uh, with that in mind, I, I hope you're ready to go. You got the app notes out and ready, ready to ask your questions. We're going to start with John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus, Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. We're actually going to take a look at that next week. That takes place in John chapter 12. So we've got two sisters and their brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These are the Mary and Martha that are, that are mentioned in Luke chapter 10, where Martha invites Jesus into their home. Jesus comes to teach and Martha is worried about the food. She's worried about the house. She's worried about making sure everything that is clean, all that stuff. And Mary, come, Mary comes and sits and listens to Jesus. She's just sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking up everything he says. And Martha gets ticked and says, Jesus, what's the deal? Tell, tell Mary to come in here and help me. And Jesus says to her, uh, Martha, Martha, uh, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. These are the people. They're close friends of Jesus. And Jesus says to Martha in that incident in Luke chapter 10, look, you've got to have perspective because th there are things that are more important than all of the stuff that exists in your life. That's a good lesson for us today, right? Uh, verse 3. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the, the one that you love is sick, Lazarus. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Here's the first point in today's message. Jesus had a plan that nobody else could see. All that they could see was the sickness of Lazarus. But Jesus had a plan that was bigger than that. So much of the time, in our lives, when things don't make sense, we complain and blame God, right? Why is this happening to me? This should not be happening. We choose to trust what we know, what we can see, what we can wrap our brains around, and we think that that's all there is to it. Jesus said to Thomas after his, after his resurrection, you know what? You, you believe because you can see me. Blessed are those who can't see and believe. Jesus had a plan, and we need to trust his plan, no matter what the circumstances are that are going on around us. Whatever you're going through right now, Jesus has a plan. He's not ambivalent. He's not uncaring. He has a plan. 
Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Close relationship. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there. He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. That seems like a weird way to express love, right? Jesus, we need you to come. Lazarus is sick, he's dying. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm gonna just stay here a couple more days. I've got some things to do. Yeah, you're important. Yeah, I love you. But there are other things. Don't miss this again. Jesus' plan was bigger than Mary and Martha's plan. Jesus' plan was bigger than Mary and Martha's plan. Verse eight. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jew, uh, this is the disciples, but Rabbi, the disciples said, a short while ago, the Jews there, where they are, where, where Mary and Martha Lazarus are, tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. They recognized that for them to go where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were put them in peril. It, it, their physical um, well-being was gonna be in danger if they made that trip. Jesus answered, verse nine, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus basically said, hey, chill, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. I can see things that you can't see. I am the light. John talks about that consistently. He describes Jesus in that way. And Jesus said, everything's under control. Verse 11, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's gonna feel better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, look, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Don't miss this. Because of Jesus' foreknowledge, Jesus could see what no one else could see. Jesus has a different perspective on our circumstances than we do. Jesus has a different perspective on the stuff that's going on in our life. Jesus says first, look, Lazarus is sleeping. Um, and, and the disciples say, you know what? If he sleeps, he's gonna get better. But Jesus knew that Lazarus wasn't just physically sleeping, that he was physically dead. How did Jesus know that? He only knew it supernaturally by the power of God because he was God on earth. He had that knowledge of what was going on someplace far distant from where he was. Don't miss the power of Jesus in that. What was Jesus' plan that he says to the disciples? His plan was to change hearts, to change souls, to change the way that they thought, the way that they saw the world, not just their circumstances. So much of the time, we just want our circumstances changed. And Jesus wants to change what's inside us and how we react and respond to those circumstances. Did Jesus love Mary and Martha and Lazarus? Lazarus? Absolutely. He loved them more than they could comprehend. Does Jesus love you? Absolutely. More than you can comprehend. He doesn't always act the way that we'd expect, though. He doesn't always work in the way that we might expect or even that we might want him to. Verse 16. 
Then Thomas, also called Didymus, the, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, okay, that's where they wanted to kill you. Let us go too, that we might die with him. This is Thomas, the, the, the person that we call Doubting Thomas, the guy who didn't believe that Jesus had resurrected for a week after his resurrection because he hadn't seen Jesus. The, uh, this is Thomas, the guy who Jesus supernaturally appears to with the disciples, and Jesus says to him, look, Thomas, put your hands in my hands. Feel the wounds. Put your hand in my side. It's really me. I'm really alive. That's the guy who says... Let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go to Bethany. And we'll die with him. Uh, why, did, why did Thomas say that? There was a bounty on Jesus' head. He knew the danger that was there. But he said it as an expression of his faith. And I, and I just want to pause in, in the message to say this. Let, let this little sliver of Thomas' life in this interaction be both a warning and an encouragement to you. Um, I, here's the encouragement. If you thought Thomas was a loser because he was doubting Thomas, you know, why didn't, why didn't he understand? Look back at this in, e event and understand that Thomas had an incredible faith. He was willing to go and die with Jesus. His influence, his statement had to influence the rest of the disciples. So don't be all down on Thomas. Don't think that he's a loser. Let that be an encouragement to you, but it, let it be a warning to you also. Many of you have followed Jesus for a long time. You have a deep faith, and you think, you know what? I'll go die with Jesus. I'll, I'll do whatever he wants. I, you know, I, I am fully his. I got it all under control. And recognize that probably two months later, Thomas was the guy saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe the resurrection. That's a warning for us when we put our faith in ourselves, in our own faith. Thomas missed the boat at the resurrection. He got it right here. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. It was a suburb of Jerusalem, a little, a little tiny town. And many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Isn't that an interesting role reversal from Luke chapter 10? Martha goes to see Jesus and Mary stays at home. Um, Mary and Martha were surrounded by people they loved. People who came to mourn with them. These weren't paid mourners. These were people who loved them. Um, culturally, we're moving further and further away from people attending funerals or going to spend time with family during a visitation when a, when a loved one dies. So many people, so many people say, you know what, I don't know what to say, so I'm just not gonna go. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable, but it means so much to the family who are grieving. Just being there matters. Hugging somebody who's hurting matters. Crying with them matters. Words may be the thing that matter the least in that moment. Your presence matters a ton. Here's the question. Who are you surrounded with in a time of crisis? 
What relationships are you feeding into so that when you're in a time of need, you've got your group, you've got your posse to come around like Mary and Martha had when Lazarus had died? Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Interestingly enough, if you've got your Bibles open, if you look down to verse 32, Mary says the exact same thing um, uh, 10 verses later. If you had been here, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Their faith is really incredible. It was, but their faith was defined by how they thought that Jesus would work. If Jesus had just come, everything would have been all right. Lazarus would have gotten well. We live in that same world, right? We do. We say, God, if you would have just shown up in this way at this time, this bad thing would have happened. God, if you would have just been there at that moment, this bad stuff wouldn't have happened. If, if you would have shown up earlier, Aunt Betty would still be alive. If you would have shown up earlier, I wouldn't have experienced that abuse. If you had shown up earlier, I wouldn't be an addict. Um, if, if you had shown up earlier, my marriage wouldn't have blown up. If you had shown up earlier, my kids wouldn't be on the path that they're on right now. But then Martha says something remarkable. She says, but I know even now God will ask, God will give you whatever you ask. Say, even now. Even now, yeah, that, that was not rhetorical. Say, even now, all right? Even now, even now. Martha says, even now, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Don't miss this. It's not too late to say, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. No matter what your circumstances are right now, even now, God can show up in an incredible way. Jesus can do incredible things in your life that you don't expect. Maybe, maybe you're saying, I've made a mess, but even now, I trust you to make something good of where I'm at in my life right now. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, to, to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he's gonna rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Don't miss this. Martha believes. She believes in the power of Jesus. But it's a limited belief, just like us. We believe, but it's limited. Jesus said to her, Here's the, here's the core of the message. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus has authority over death. Jesus is power over death. Jesus is working even in death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life six weeks before he would go to the cross. He, he was declaring it. We don't have authority over death, even though we act like we do, right? We say, oh, she's in a better place when, when somebody dies. We don't know that. We don't have any control over that, uh, uh, over what happens when, when, when somebody that we love dies. We don't have any sense of that, but Jesus does. Jesus knows. 
We can say somebody that we love is a good person that they had a relationship with Jesus. We can say, we can say that we're going to go find Uncle John on the 10th tee of the heavenly golf course with a beer in his hand. We can say that we're going to find Grandpa in heaven because he's going to be telling stories and there's going to be a group of people around him. We can say, oh, we're going to find, we're going to find Mom. She's going to be at the card table playing euchre in heaven. We can say all of that, but that doesn't make it so. Jesus is the one with authority over death. It's only through Jesus that there is life beyond this one, life beyond the grave. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. They'll have life beyond this one. Don't miss this. Without Jesus, there is only hell. There's no hope. What are the ramifications of that? It means that this life that we live will end. Doesn't matter if you're young and you think you're invincible. It doesn't matter if you're in your 80s and you know that it's not very far away. We will all die unless Jesus returns first. That means that our lives right now have purpose. They have meaning the way that we interact with people, the way that we interact with things, the way that we cultivate or walk away from our relationship with God matters. And we've got to make a decision about that. We can't just simply hear that and say, oh, that's good. We've got to make a decision. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says to Martha, do you believe this? That's the question for us. Do you believe this? Martha had already expressed her faith. She knew the right answers. She believed with her head, but she didn't believe necessarily yet with her full being, with her soul. That's the most important question I can ask this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection, that he's the life, that he's the only one who can give your life meaning? That's what, that's what it's all about. Verse 27, Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God that's coming to the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the, at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had just been here, same thing that, that Martha had said, if you'd just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said, come and see, Lord. They replied, and Jesus wept. Jesus gets us. He understands this life that we live. He understands our struggles. He understands our grief. 
He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, verse 33. He weeps in verse 35. And 38, he once more deeply moved. Jesus comes to the tomb. Hear me on this. If Satan has you believing that God is far away, that Jesus doesn't care about what happens to you, what happens in your life, that he doesn't care about your pain and your problems, it's just not true. It's just not true. Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. And he had strong emotions. He laughed. He wasn't afraid to cry. And he hurt The Son of God loved so deeply, it hurt him in his heart. That's an active love, not a passive one. It's not just affection. It's not just a casual kind of relationship. It's not from a distance. It's up close and personal, completely invested in Mary, in Martha, in Lazarus, and in us today. Why did Jesus weep? Have you ever thought about that? Why did Jesus weep? He knew what was going to happen, right? He knew why he had come. So it wasn't because Lazarus was dead. I think he wept because of the pain that they were experiencing, that sense of hopelessness and loss that was there. I think he wept for their lack of understanding and comprehension, that they didn't understand how much God loved them and how much power he had. I think maybe he wept because Lazarus was going to have to return to a broken world and live in it some more when he had been in the presence of God. Verse 36, the Jews say, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Couldn't he have kept him from dying? That's the same question that we wrestle with today. We look at pain in the world around us and say, couldn't God have prevented that? Couldn't God have made a way that that wasn't going to happen? Mary and Martha and their friend's faith was real, but it was limited in hope. They believed that Jesus could prevent the bad, um, but they missed that Jesus had a bigger plan, a plan that would demonstrate his power over death. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, were, that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. What do you think happened? If you put yourself in that situation, what do you think happened in verse 41, 42? Did they roll away the stone and all of a sudden there was this horrible stench that comes, comes out of the tomb? The tomb. If you've ever smelled a dead body, a, a decaying flesh, it's, it's bad. Is that what happened? Or because Jesus had already started to act, did they roll away the st- stone and there was no smell? Ah, who knows? Um, all we know is that Jesus prayed. He called God his father. And he affirmed that God was going to do something incredible to, to build their faith. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, 
come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus coming out of the grave had to be like a scene from a zombie apocalypse, right? You know, you got this guy struggling to walk, all bound up. He's, he's covered with those cloths. When Jesus was buried, about 100 pounds of spices, of myrrh, were put onto his body to preserve his body. Lazarus may not have had that, that much, but there would have been all of those spices there. Lazarus can't walk, he can't hardly see, and Jesus sets him free. Verse 45, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everybody's gonna believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Do you see how badly they missed? They missed what was at stake. Some saw and believed, but some saw and ran away worried about their own political power, their own position, their own stuff. The Pharisees didn't doubt Lazarus' resurrection. They recognized the power of God, but they chose instead to have the focus be on themselves. Their view of what really matters was way messed up. It was way wrong. Jesus has power over death. He is the resurrection and the life. The question that remains is the question that he asked Martha. Do you believe? If the answer is yes, there are huge ramifications in your life. A follower of Jesus, somebody who fully puts their trust in him, is not gonna look or act like the rest of the world. They're not gonna be satisfied with what satisfies the world. They're not gonna be inspired by what inspires others. They're not gonna be focused on what others focus on. Your decision, your answer to that question, do you believe, has to be expressed with action that gets lived out in your life. If you believe, yes, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you've got to take off the grave clothes from when you were dead. You've got, to, you've got to separate from that old life. You've got to quit living by the rules of the world. You have to live for Jesus. About 400 years before Jesus was born, Etrurian pirates had a means of, um, of punishment that was horrible, grotesque. They would take a prisoner that they wanted to kill, that, that, that they wanted to execute, and they would bind a dead body to that person, face to face, shoulder to shoulder, arms to arms, legs to legs, and they would leave that person with that dead body as it decayed, stuck to them. They would feed them so that they would continue to live until the, the, um, until the rotting flesh of that dead body would begin to rot that person's own flesh. And they would finally... Uh, get gangrene, they would, their body would be infected and they would die. Why I tell you that? Because that's like the worst picture that, that you can have in your mind, right? It's this. We've got to cut the dead body that we have that separates us from Jesus. We've got to separate that old life 
from what Jesus has done in us when we say, yes, Lord, I believe, I absolutely believe. When Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes out of the grave, they had to cut the grave clothes away so that Lazarus could live and could proclaim the truth, the love, the joy of Jesus. That's our call today. Jesus is power over death. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing, all right? Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that Jesus has. And God, I thank you for the call that we have to walk away from that old person, that old life, that, those old things that hold on to us. God, we, we, want, we want to live without the grave clothes. We want to experience that power. Do your work in us, God. Help us to see you. Help us to live out that faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.